0: episode of our bonus series the bpd bunch brunch where we get together with our favorite brunchy beverages to catch up play games and talk about all things bpd i'm Zanny, and today i am here with lena jay karis and selen so how's everybody doing today
1: good (laughs) same as always
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm really excited about today because we're playing identity disturbance bingo. Before we get started, I do want to clarify for anyone watching that. So if you see the tiles, there are a lot of very short little phrases. And I want to sort of impart that without a greater context, none of these things individually necessarily indicate identity disturbance or BPD in particular. These are sort of a lot of experiences that people with BPD have had, but it's sort of like having a a stuffy nose. Like, a stuffy nose could be a symptom of a lot of different things. Sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes it's something more serious. So it's just important for anyone watching, I would not use this as, like, a diagnostic tool of, like, oh, I have identity disturbance or whatever. This is just sort of a fun way for us to kind of get started on telling some of our stories. And without further ado... Let's get this started. (laughs) So the first one is not knowing
2: what you believe. That's a heavy one for a first one. (laughs) (laughs) Holy.
0: Definitely been one of mine. (laughs) What about everybody else?
3: Well, I'm curious what this means for people because it, you know, can mean a lot of different things. I
0: feel like there's a normal part of life where you like you don't really know what you think and you're kind of processing. And I think for me, not knowing what I believe is kind of this sense of like nothing really resonating with me, not really connecting with anything on a meaningful level, which is different from sort of exploration.
2: I've had like periods of like really intense um, spiritual beliefs and like I still consider myself to be like a very spiritual person I used to tell my dad I, I grew up in a in a pretty conservative faith-based community and um, I used to tell my dad like dad I know what I believe but I don't feel it it like I would have like a and I still do have a lot of like really firm like belief systems that like are Like I, I am so like faithful to this belief as far as like, I protect that belief and I've like researched it and whatever. And it's like hundred percent mine, but like getting to that stage was really, really hard for me. And it, it, I went through a lot of like, I agree with a lot of things logically, but nothing really resonates and nothing feels like, I guess nothing feels like home
0: So Lena, what does it mean to you? What were you thinking when you think of not knowing what you believe?
3: Well, yeah, I think what Kara said is a pretty common experience. I think also, you know, for myself and what I've seen a lot for people with BPD is like, um, there being this real fundamental, like, lack of belonging. And so we don't know what we believe because we choose what we believe in and how much it connects us with other people because we often feel really isolated and disconnected and so that's where you know not knowing what we personally believe can make us more vulnerable to like really rigid um cult-like belief systems but uh, like at the (laughs) core there is often this like yeah for me i i remember feeling for a long time just like a lot of things made sense and i couldn't argue with it but i didn't really i i didn't have an an internal moral compass because my internal moral compass was like a feral animal just looking to survive and belong
0: (gasps) okay so we're gonna move on to the next one ready Going back on plans and promises, which I also feel like you have to, has to carry a lot of nuance. Mm. We're not talking about like mindfully being like, oh, I made a commitment to something that I really can't follow through on. So I don't, I don't know if anybody has like a, a way that they would describe this.
2: Maybe like being known about. for being a flake. <laughs> yeah.
3: I think also yeah. like more significant um. going back on plans and promises. Like, you know, I studied abroad and. India when I was in college and just decided halfway through I wasn't going to do it anymore and almost wasn't allowed to leave the country because I, like, left my program that I had a visa for.
1: But that's a, I think that's more what it means to me is promises to yourself. You know, there's so many things that I can think of over my life that I'm like, why did I even start doing that? And it usually comes back to, oh, there was that girl.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Why did
1: I? Why did I move to Houston anyway? Oh right. Yeah, two for two so far.
0: Same. <laughs> I feel like that may be the case for a lot of these things, but we'll find out.
1: I think we're all okay. gonna get bingo at the same time.
0: Yeah, it's possible. There's someone here I know I don't fit, but it's only a few.
1: Everyone's a winner on the fourth card. <laughs> oh, actually,
0: it, this one. This one I didn't get. Goth phase.
1: Oh, oh God. Yeah. Ooh. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep.
0: so I will say like being goth has absolutely nothing to do with having BPD specifically it's more just like in general having a lot of different phases maybe more than is a regular a- part of adolescent experimentation and so this one is sort of just more for fun to be like so who went through the goth phase
1: yeah well there, there are pictures somewhere <laughs> online of me in, in heavy eyeliner big Robert Smith hair oh yeah Spiky
4: uh, necklaces as well, and uh, all dark clothes with just a little Mm. bit of red. (laughs) All black and a little bit of red, you know, for the blood vibes. Uh, (laughs) But I quickly moved from the goth phase to the reggae phase, which, (laughs) again, back to what you said. (laughs) To which phase? Reggae? Reggae, yeah. That was a quick transition from one to the other, but there was a guy involved. (laughs) So, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I did
2: goth to... Goth to alternative to punk to um, rockabilly ska, mm-hmm. then ska to raver. Oh, God. So, <laughs> <laughs> like you go from like. Like, heavy, like, kind of, like, mosh pity kind of stuff to, like, I'm a conduit of life and love. (laughs) I I think the most
0: I went through was an emo phase, which is not really the same. It was, like, a lot of black, but...
3: Yeah. I had emo, scene, indie, all those phases, but no goth.
0: All right. Feeling like you have no idea who you are. We did kind of already touch on this. Yeah.
4: But... That is definitely one that I can identify with. And it still happens to me. Like, you know, after, say, a big project or a big deadline or something major in life, like I just got married and came back from honeymoon. And then I'm like, now what? What do I want? Who am I? Who is, what? what's, who's Solène? What's going? And it's like, I have to, I feel like, I often have to rebuild that and go back to what are my values, what do I want, you know, what's my vision, what's my mission, why do I believe that I'm here in the world? Um, because now I've established that I can come back to it. I, I still get that question that comes up. Sometimes I ask my husband, Who am I? what am i again
3: <laughs> yeah i definitely think like after kind of recovering from more of the like mood dysregulation and interpersonal dysregulation it was like i just underneath all that was like this profound sense of like just non no identity almost like you know not even really feeling like human sometimes you know just feeling and like you know it's like a lot of that dysregulation like covered up that that feeling for me and so once i stopped having a really unstable mood and unstable relationships and stuff it was like oh i have to actually like figure out who i am and what i like and what's important to me and that i've never really
4: done that before and there's a buddhist perception that you know we are nothing and everything at the same time. And I feel that, I really do. Especially in nature, I just feel so connected and yet I feel like, so empty at the same time.
2: I really like how you express that. It's very
4: dialectic of you, so <laughs> <laughs> Check me out. All right.
0: <laughs> so this one was diet phases. There's sort of a difference between like, going on a diet, some kind of a diet, changing your lifestyle for like a goal, a particular goal or health or something and finding your identity in a diet. Actually, and this is one of the things, I don't know if that counts because for me because I had an eating disorder for 10 years. I, I kind of was my eating disorder in a way. It was, that was a, for a lot, that made it hard to identify that I had BPD actually at first because that was the behavior that everyone noticed. It definitely made it easier for me to pretend like I didn't have emotions because I just wrapped everything up in this in this food issue
3: I think you have a good point that there's this like more extreme feeling of like this is my identity um and just like content warning for this but I remember the days of Zanga which is like old school Tumblr for all the Gen Z people that will be listening to this. (laughs) Um, But, you know, there were a lot of like groups on there that would be like goal weight zero and stuff. And I remember, you know, because I struggled with an eating disorder, too. And I remember a way that another way that I found to avoid developing a sense of identity was to almost try to make myself disappear.
2: I've, I've been lucky enough to have the same therapist since I was like 15 I'll be really sad when she retires. Uh, I also have uh, obsessive compulsive personality disorder, which manifests in like really uh, controlled uh, eating diet patterns. My therapist told me it's not surprising to her at all that I am attracted to restrictive diets because it allows me to um, exert a certain amount of control over my life when so many other portions of my life are so difficult to control and completely out of my control just by their inherent nature. Like, I go to work and somebody says something to me. I can't control what's going to come out of their mouth, but I can control
4: what goes in mine. I used to walk around and feel like there was a hole in me, like a physical. I used to feel like I could literally like, put my fist through myself, like there's a hole in my stomach, in my belly. Um, and I think food came in... You know, in that sense of trying to fill that void. All right, we're going to
0: move go. contradicting yourself from one
4: moment to the next.
0: Mm. <laughs> All I'm going to say is yes. Uh, no, they, I'm going you know, to say oh. no now. I think it's no now. No,
4: no, yes,
0: no. This is definitely me. Oh, she's me. But yeah, this is... For me, it's so dependent on the people I was with. It's like, oh, yeah, I 100% agree with what you're saying. And then I'd go spend time with someone else, and I'm like, why did I think that? Like, now I think whatever you think. (laughs)
4: I studied political science at university and I can so relate to that. Like I would go and hang out with people that were, you know, really like left wing, like really like anarchy and revolution and all of that. And I was like, yeah, like totally like, let's do that. And then I would like maybe end up at lunch with like people who were like quite conservative and, you know, things should stay the way they are. Oh yeah, you're right. Actually, that makes a lot of sense. And then I would go home and I'd be like, I can't be in politics because I can't pick a side I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, next one. Join the cult.
1: Oh, do I have that?
4: I almost joined a no. gang, but I didn't no. have to
3: do- join the cult. I definitely joined a cult.
4: Did you?
3: What was it? Tell small. The yoga cult, which, yes, those exist. It's a real thing. Wow. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. Yep. wild wild country that, that documentary on netflix yep it wasn't they too started far from Yoba that cult and and poisoned an entire town
3: yep wasn't too far from that community um
0: in in the context of like identity what was the what was the like motivation behind that
3: i think at that point in my life i really had no sense of who i was at all um And that was when I was really at the peak of like hitting all nine symptoms. And so, of course, I didn't really have the capacity to explore my own identity. And so, you know, it's actually really common for people with BPD, autistic people, like people in sort of different marginalized communities to be really vulnerable to um, joining cults. Um, because when you don't know who you are, and then comes along this really rigid belief system that tells you exactly how to be, you know, like you know what to wear, you know, I, I shaved head, you, you know, always had to wear a yellow shirt and white pants, you know, what you do every day, what you believe, what you eat, every, you know, it was sort of like, okay, well, cool, I don't have to figure out who I am because this place, these people, tell me who to be, right? Um, so yeah, I think doing it's all the work for really you. Common. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I was. I I got involved in a uh, sort of Jim Jones People's Temple type thing. It wasn't that because that was long before I was an adult. But um, it was the same sort of deal. And what uh, <laughs> what got me out of it before I got too deep into it was I met a girl. Started dating her.
0: Gotta be this girl's. So oh man, those my identity now.
1: Those <laughs> people followed me around for months, oh. months. I, I was like, yeah, I don't, know, I don't have to think much for myself here. Great, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. I was between relationships. It had been a bad breakup. I had already shaved my head. Um, so you know, and <laughs> somebody met somebody who was like, hey, let's you know come to this church, and I was like, cool, and. Yeah, it, uh, I only found out later that it wasn't, that it was a cult. There you go, that my right. cult story. Saved by, saved by a girl.
0: The next one is <sighs> feeling like you don't exist.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: I'm just gonna say yes. Unless people are looking, like, paying attention to me. It's like, I don't exist outside the context of your attention. Um, and I got in, in trouble for that a lot. Like, it's always the Zanny show with you, isn't it? and I was like, well, how else do I know who I am?
3: I feel like this one also like um, overlaps with dissociative challenges, right? It's like, I actually don't feel like a real person, like a real human being, right? Or th- something like that, you know? Um, and I definitely remember feeling
4: like that. And I think it makes it really hard to be alone. Because when you're alone, it's like, well, is this real? Like, am I, like, I don't know. I just, yeah, I find Mm -hmm. it really, really hard not to start going down that rabbit hole of, you know, am I even real? Am I even here?
3: Right. That's why, like, a lot of, you know, one of my good friends loves, like, the Matrix series. And I'm just like, hmm no nope, we can't mm. think about that stuff <laughs> no. i just want to be a boring Quentin old human being and yeah uh, all the parallel
4: universes and stuff i'm like i can't go yeah. that yeah. otherwise i'm gonna lose myself yeah <laughs>
2: again <laughs> I watched it's like great. Jet Li, The One, and oh, like the god. first the intro to it. Mm-hmm. It talks about the multiverse, and I threw up. Mm-hmm. I like legit <laughs> threw up because I was so. In, I was like, Oh my god, there's like multiples of me's and doing the things and all the stuff, mm-hmm. and the, oh my god, blah. and then like everybody was like, "Are you okay, Karen? Are you okay?" <laughs> <laughs> just like, yeah, I'm fine. Yep. I'm just Disturbed.
1: <laughs> the worst part is is feeling that you don't exist because no one's paying attention to you in a room full of people Mm -hmm. or in the Mm -hmm. room with your significant other, that's, that's the worst. And it, it'll make you angry at other people. It'll make you feel hurt and it'll, it'll, you know, you start with the splitting thing, you know, this person doesn't know what I need. And even if you communicate what you need to them, it's absurd to expect somebody else to burden to shoulder, that responsibility for you you know it's not it's not their job to make you exist
4: yeah okay oh i felt that jay i read it Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah
2: frequent major career changes oh Oh, oh, wow good lord (laughs) i have an average of 2.5 years per career type that's pretty good (laughs) yeah not bad yeah, I'm 44, so I've I've wow. done a lot of stuff. My my site super was like every time I talk to you, it's like I learned that you've done a different thing. He's like, how many types of jobs have you had? Like we're the same age, but he's like just done mm-hmm. the same thing, and he's like, you've done like I don't even know.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Multiple jobs at the same time. Oh, yeah, entrepreneur and employee and this and that. And, yeah, I was like, I just now started this new role where I'm a civil servant. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's the first time I'm a civil servant. I've done everything else, you know, corporate, small size, medium size, entrepreneurship by myself, you know, all sorts of different jobs. I've lived in six different countries and every time I just reinvent, you know, myself and and my career and
1: (laughs) I've had so 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 many jobs.
4: <laughs> so sorry, everyone. I've got uh, an engagement. Um, I've got dinner plans, um, so I've got to go. <laughs> but uh, thank Ooh. you so much for having me, and nice to see all of you again. So yes, see you soon. Bye, Celine. Bye, you fine, you. Celine. Have
0: <laughs> So, did anybody go through a punk phase?
1: Still in it? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, totally. It's like, I'm the, yeah. rock for you. <laughs> There's my punk rock guitar right there. Calling County, County, baby.
0: All right, so we did the punk phase. Yep. What do we got next? Changing friend groups.
1: Ooh, yeah. I didn't have many friends, but I was well acquainted with almost everyone. Like, I could fit, I could notch into any friend group at any time. But I didn't have many close actual friends.
3: Yeah, I feel like now I have pretty, uh, you know, pretty stable friend group that's like, you know, really aligns with who I am. But before this, oh, yeah, I I feel like my friend groups really aligned with whatever personality I was in at that time, right? Like my emo friends, my hippie friends, my burlesque friends, my roller skating friends, you know, it's just like whatever was my thing at that time it was like i had to have friends who were aligned with it and then part of the frequently changing friend groups is also just like the unstable relationships and the lack of interpersonal skills because i'd be like fuck you i hate you and and be friends with somebody else now
1: (laughs) so yep yep been there Mm -hmm.
0: taking on personality traits of other people We've all talked yep. about this, I think. Such a big thing.
1: Mm, being the chameleon, uh, for yeah.
0: sure, yeah. Yep. For people watching, you know, I think it's important to recognize that whether or not some of these things are dysfunctional has a lot to do with, like, the level of distress and, like, problems it causes mm-hmm. in your life. Just the fact that I changed a lot, I think, for me, ended up being great because I have a lot of different skills now. You know, I, I did a lot of things, I have a lot of different experiences, and I guess I just wanted to say that because I don't want people to think that, like, if you change things a lot, that that's an indication that there's something wrong with you. It usually has more to do with the, the not what you do, but how you do it in the sense that, like, if I decide I want to try something else, and I just walk out of my job without talking to anybody, that's probably not effective, like, for my relationships or, like, my reputation, um, mm-hmm. But the fact mm-hmm. that I want to try something different is not necessarily in and of itself a problem. Right. I guess. Yeah. Okay, I think I think we've already talked about this one, but severe and sudden hairstyle changes. Bingo!
3: Uh. Oh, yes. oh so you have the cult one. If I had had the cult one, I'd have been. You should have right joined now. a cult too. Uh, uh, <laughs> I should have no.
0: joined a cult. It's never too <laughs> it's like late. The, just for the sake of winning bingo, I'm going to go join a cult. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> So, yeah. Yeah. Does anybody have any good, like, stories of sudden hairstyle changes? I, like, chopped all my hair off once. Mm-hmm. Like, not even a shave moment. It was, like, with the scissors.
3: So mm-hmm. it was, like,
0: all different lengths, and oh, it was bad.
3: Yikes. I have impulsively shaved my head two or three times and done, like, the colors and all sorts of stuff.
1: Yeah. Shave my head a bunch of times. Mohawk. Oh, uh, God uh shave one of my eyebrows off because i thought it looked cool i don't know (laughs) man so many different colors (laughs) it's the the little stripe in it yeah and uh yeah well back now (laughs) and it never it never grew back so i just had to shave the whole thing off and then i'm like that didn't look too bad Oh my, <laughs> oh my god. Oh no, my god. Yeah, don't shave yeah. your eyebrow. Now, I will say the mohawk looked good. I, everybody thought the mohawk was adorable.
0: Well, congrats, Lena, on winning. Congrats, do I win anything? Did you, disturbance? you win so a, a brand new shiny
3: identity. <laughs> Woo! Dang. I already have one of those. You win a sense of
1: self satisfaction. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right, and oh wait, and earned sense of self-satisfaction <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. How about that and a little bit of shame because we all couldn't share it, but you know that's oh, the shame
3: yeah. should have joined the cult <laughs> yes great should have joined the cult
4: should
2: have joined the
3: cult
2: so good
0: <laughs> for us now like we look at some of this stuff and we can laugh about it because it's like oh my gosh like i can't believe i did that
1: Keep both you know, eyebrows. we people who are still
0: going through it. It might be like a little bit like, oh, but I'm doing that. Like, how can you, how can you get it to this place? So now what is it like for you? I guess, what would you, what do you think is important for you to tell viewers about
2: this? Well, like
3: I said before, I think the huge thing for me was it was really hard for me to develop a sense of identity when I was, you know, suicidal, self-harming, experiencing really, in, you know, unstable mood and those sort of things. So I, I think that, just sort of normalizing that, you know, your identity is going to come once you have a little bit more stability, right? You know, once I was able to regulate my mood and stop feeling suicidal, then I started to develop like a sense of who I am, you know, because it's really hard to do that when you're struggling to stay alive, you know?
1: yeah so that's the, that's been the longest thing that's taken me the longest to deal with to even get started on a recovery is is building another personality, building the real one, figuring out what that is it's 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 just difficult. We're a blank slate, which can be it's not necessarily inherently bad, but it means we're empathetic. Yeah, uh, don't stress about the whole personality thing. it'll come, and it'll surprise you what you keep and what you've grown new during recovery. Um, I'm almost a whole person.
2: (laughs) You're seven
0: eighths of the way there. (laughs) there.
1: Uh, Yeah. Also, (laughs) also keep both eyebrows. Um, uh, Let's see. Unless you're, uh, I mean, if you're in recovery and you're in a relationship where all you're doing is being a mirror and reflecting back what the other person wants to see, think about that relationship really hard. That's what I have to say.
2: I would like to say that first of all be kind to yourself. I think it's okay to take wise counsel. My partner, he reminds me of these amazing parts of my personality. He just has a really way a good way of helping me see myself. So if if I have a couple of trusted others that I know aren't going to just like uh, do a smoke screen, but that they'll actually, um, like give me, uh, the ability to see myself from the outside in. And I know that helps too. So, um, yeah, be kind to yourself, practice your skills and and it gets better.
0: I think for me, one of the biggest things was when I realized that I became like the people I was with. One of the first things that was really helpful was being more intentional about who I spent time with. Um, it wasn't about me passing judgment on their lives, but it was me saying, okay, for whatever reason, this behavior is not helpful for me. It makes it harder for me to regulate and do all these things. And I tried to spend time with people who I viewed as those I wanted to emulate, because then if I'm gonna mirror th- their behavior, at least I'm mirroring things that I I think I want to. And, and that, at least helped me to, in, in the beginning phases, I think, to at least avoid doing things that were destructive to myself. And that made it easier to, to, fo- to do some of that harder work of like, what are my values? What do I think? Um, because then I wasn't dealing with the aftermath of all of the destructive behaviors. Does anybody have any last burning thoughts? Thank you everyone for watching our VPD Bunch Brunch episode. Stay tuned next week. We got more bonus content coming at you. Make sure you if you like what you see, like, subscribe, and turn on your notifications so you can figure out when the next episode is coming out! Because you don't want to miss our
1: Bananas Neurodivergent content. Yes!
0: Mm. You don't want to miss any of
1: our
0: Bananas Neurodivergent content. So, till next
1: time! Bye. Bye!